Don't allow what anybody out there tells you is possible or not possible for you. Hi. Good. Hi, Jay. Hi, Joe. Hey. So, um, I already it automatically started recording, but uh, I'll just give uh, Jay an introduction. So, Ruslan, he's been my client for a few years, um, and he's basically a, like uh, I would say you're like a celebrity in your country, right? Uh, no, I wouldn't call myself a celebrity, <laughs> but like what I do is that uh, I usually train the celebrities out here. So like most of the celebrities in Bangladesh, I do train them. And uh, when it comes to the fitness industry, I've been really involved with industry for a very long time. Like, you know, uh, since 2009, uh, I actually started uh, my uh, career as a trainer and a fitness consultant. So I, I even set up my own studio back then. And now like, you know, after uh, this year, so many years, I have two branches and like it's over 15,000 square feet right now. And it's one of the leading gym in uh, Bangladesh. Wow, that's that's impressive too. Because like, like, uh, like I was saying, like I've been coaching you for a while, and I've seen that progress with you and your in your business and all the the gyms and everything. And it's really cool to see. But like, even just from like what I've seen on social media, like you are, I'd say you're definitely a fitness celebrity in your like in your country. Because like you're, <laughs> you I don't think it's that. Yeah. what's that. Now, if you if you say so, yeah, but yeah. I would not call, call myself a celebrating that, but yeah, I'm <laughs> someone who actually helps the celebrities to achieve their goals. Yeah. Well, no, it's still really good, man. Like, honestly, like uh, your progress and your own physique has been really good in the past few years, but as well in, in business too, which is really cool to see. Um, so basically, uh, myself and Jay, we started doing these podcasts uh, a couple weeks ago. And what we're trying to do is bring on guests from you know, different countries all around the world. So we get like a different perspective of what bodybuilding is like in all the different countries and kind of just like, you know, communicate across the world. So it gives people something different to, you know, sort of watch and listen to and like can see people come together from different communities to, you know, talk about bodybuilding and fitness and life in general. So that's kind of what we're going with with the podcast. So there's no, not necessarily a set script here. We're just kind of, you right. know, a good flow of conversation and talking about like some relevant topics. And uh, yeah, we never have a script. Sometimes we forget to record, you know? <laughs> yeah, the one the one episode uh, we we did, I accidentally didn't record it. So we had to redo it. But uh, we're, we're recording today. So this is good. This will this will be live. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's start off just uh, I'll get, I'll get Ruslan to just introduce himself and you can just like, you can give a, I know you just mentioned your, your gym and some of that other stuff, but if you want to give like an introduction to yourself and like what you do and uh, you know, how you know me and, and so on, then uh, you can kind of go from there. All right. Um, um, by profession, I'm a fitness consultant. Um, I've been in uh, like, you know, I've been in this profession from 2009. I started off, uh, uh, my, my fitness journey, like you know, my fitness career as a fitness consultant uh, at the age of 21. Um, and it was, in a, it was in a very small place. It was actually around 800 square feet. When I, when I set up my first studio, you know, that's, that's the reason why my gym is called Vishnu Studio. It's not mentioned anywhere, like it's a gym or a, 
know, anything like that. Because, you know, it was such a small place. It was more like a studio kind of thing where you had one treadmill, one power rack, basically a small garage setup, you know, that you have in your house uh, to train by your own. But I started training one-on-one -on -one because back in days, uh, back in that time, around 2009, the concept of one-on-one uh, -on -one training wasn't here in Bangladesh. You know, like, uh, and people didn't know much about the nutrition and how to go on about, you know, working towards and achieving their fitness goal. So I thought, yeah, uh, since I know about, since I worked on myself, like, you know, from 2005, I competed in a few contests, like, you know, before that. And I even started working with my friends, you know, and they had pretty good results before, before I started my journey as a, you know, fitness coach or a fitness consultant. So it took me almost uh, nine years uh, like to you know, accomplish like, you know, a proper setup, you know, pro proper gym, like, you know, in uh, multiple places in uh, Bangladesh and Dhaka is the capital of uh, like, you know, Bangladesh. So I have two branches right now and it took almost like uh, nine to 10 years. And the last time I competed, oh. it was back in 2011. You see, like uh, it took a long time for me uh, to really focus on my business and stay away from competition. And I couldn't focus on both the things together. You see, like, and competition itself, like, you own, uh, what, what, what do you call it, your own sponsor, right? And unless you become a pro or you become some, someone who everyone knows, you'll never get a sponsor. Uh, that's the reason, you know, I had to set up my own business so that I can sponsor myself later on. And then, you know, uh, I started with you, like, you know, two years back, like, it's more than two years now. I started with you and like, you know, I got in, back into competition. So I basically got back to what I love doing, you know, though I love training people, but at the end of the day, I love to get on the stage, you know, like mm -hmm. it's fun. It's just like a sports, any other sports, get on the stage, pose. The entire process is, is a different sort of, you know, feeling like, you know, it's all together. It's really great. Yeah. And uh, cause I remember when we started, like I could kind of tell that you had been not as focused on bodybuilding for a bit because like your starting point, you know, compared to where you are now has been a huge right. transformation because uh, even like in regards to like your business, I guess you were focused more on business for a little while. And then when you came to me, I guess you wanted to get back into competing again. Right. Um, right. Right. Would you say, uh, cause I know you've been, you've been doing this for a while. So like with the business and the fitness studios, in uh, in Bangladesh. One thing, one thing uh, I would like to mention, like you know, even I haven't competed in like you know what you call that uh, in almost eight nine years before I started with you. But one thing I made sure, like you know, uh, my diet was always on point. You know, I always made sure, like you know, my diet is as clean as possible. Um, as long as I can maintain my body, like you know, definitely mm -hmm. I was not trying to get really big. I tried to stay in decent shape. But you know, one thing I can assure, I never cheated on my diet. It was always the same food. Like if it was like five meals, it should be five meals. The macros and everything was always on point. I always tried to live this life. I tried to uh, practice like, you know, it's, you know, it's a lifestyle at the end of the day. Though I was not competing, but I love this lifestyle. Like, you know, like, you know, being disciplined with your workout, uh, being really dedicated when it comes to your nutrition. So that's something I really tried to uh, um, stay focused, even if I was not, I was not, competition, uh, I was not competing. Okay. Yeah. Can I, can I interrupt and ask something? Because I'm, uh, I'm wondering, which class do you compete, Ruslan? Well, uh, in Bangladesh, when I was competing in 2011, it was all open category, you know, like not open category means you have got wet category. 
it starts from 65 and it goes up to 85 plus. So I was competing in 75 kg category in 2011, uh, the last competition that I played. So and bodybuilding class, right? Right. Okay. We didn't have classic physique back then in, in Bangladesh or mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, what, you, what you call that. The physique we didn't have that back in those days. But I when I started yeah. back uh, with uh, Joe, uh, for the first competition that I went, it was in Asian Championship. Uh, it was in China. And I opted for an open bodybuilding back then, but you know, we, I couldn't participate because uh, in China, what happened, they changed the schedule without letting uh, us like, you know, and in China, they don't even talk in English. So like, you know, when they change the timing, we miss the competition. But right after that, Joe even suggested me like if there is any other competition coming up in, in a month's time as I was prepared for it. And I was in pretty decent shape, like in you know, after so many years, so, you know, I opted for another competition and it was, I took part in classic, uh, classic division, you know. So I think he cut out for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just give it a sec. Connection lost. I think you just, uh, you just cut out for a second there when okay. you were talking. So yeah, I, then I went for the classic, uh, 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 what do you call that? Classic, uh, classic physique uh, category, mm -hmm. like, you know, after that. So you're competing now in classic physique? Yes. Okay, okay. So before in Bangladesh was only bodybuilding and then you switched to classic physique. But in Bangladesh, I'm not competing anymore uh, because uh, you see like in the national competition and those places, my uh, gym, as in my studio, is actually sponsoring the competition. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's not nice, like, you know, when you're, you're, you're actually sponsoring and you're also playing yeah. the competition. Yeah. So I'm not playing in the local competitions anymore. It's just like, if I have some other competition coming up in other countries, I represent uh, Bangladesh and I actually try to go and take part in this competition. But unfortunately for the last two years, one and a half years couldn't travel due to the COVID restrictions and everything. Yeah. And which class do you which class do you prefer more for yourself? Which class do you like better? Um, I think uh, the classic is it suits me because you see, for me, I need to be in shape throughout the year more or less. So I really don't have like you know that opportunity where I really can pack on a lot of size and go for an off season for a very long time. So. For me, it's better if I stay around, you know, what do you call that? 85 kg category, 70, 80 to 85 kg category. Yeah, because like for, for Ruslan, just from like my perspective coaching him, like his structure is more towards classic and the way he looks. And I think it looks better for classic physique. And like you said, like he does do photo shoots and wants to stay in good shape year round. Like, so he's not too... You know, blown up in the off season or anything like that. So it just makes so more he sense. He can never, he ne can never get into deep off season and put yeah. on a lot of. Okay, I understand. Yeah. So like, even when we we had like for a few months, if we're trying to make him grow a little more, like it's still not getting him like, you know, excessively off season because we want to be able to, if he wants to do a photo shoot in a couple months or if he wants to compete in a few months, then sure. we don't need to do anything crazy uh, to try and get him in shape. You know, so it's a it's just a better approach for him. And just in general, because like, you know, he's still been able to grow over the past while, uh, slowly adding more muscle, but it's just, you know, keeping him, you know, within that striking range of being able to do a photo shoot or uh, competition as well. 
Um, but one thing uh, I wanted to ask you, Ruslan, was uh, would you say since you started into bodybuilding and fitness and everything in your country, has it been like a big, a big change in how much people are into the, the fitness and bodybuilding lifestyle over the past decade or so? Well, I'll definitely say when it comes to fitness, uh, definitely there has been a huge change. Like, you know, back in this probably I was one of the very few people around the age 17, 18, who's actually regularly hitting the gym at my age. My friends weren't doing it and no one was at my age wasn't doing this much. But nowadays, even if in my gym, I would see like, you know, kids joining the gym uh, as early as like from 15, 16 years old, they're trying to come and uh, uh, who are studying in high school. They're also like, you know, wanting, wanting to have a good physique. They want to look good. And so it has changed a lot. And when it comes to the bodybuilding scene, definitely it has changed a lot from, you know, back in 2005 till now. There have been few big guys coming up. Some good results are coming up, you know, even internationally. Though we don't have a, pro, a player who has got pro card yet, but in, in the, those other competitions, people are knocking, knocking on the door. Yeah. Is there is there anyone from uh, anyone from your country at all that's uh, that's an IFBB pro? Not yet. Not no? yet. Okay. So you Not will be yet. the first one. <laughs> like you know, Joe helps yeah. me out. I think it's, it's, it's possible, man. That's definitely possible. I remember watching, uh, I think it was Generation Iron a few years ago. I don't know if like, I remember the one guy, they said he was from India. I can't remember his name, but they said he was a pro from India. I don't know. If, yeah, uh, I think you mean Vang Sing Nam, the guy who competed against Phil Heath, Kai Green, and so on 2011. The only IFBB pro from India, I think you mean him. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think his name I think is that's Bang, the only one I can think like of. I remember, uh, I just remember from seeing him, like his conditioning wasn't as good. Like he was a pretty big guy, but he didn't no. have the best conditioning. So, yeah. So I think that's the only one I could think of that's uh, that's a pro. But uh, I haven't heard of anything from him in a long time. It was just, I remember seeing it in Generation Iron and, uh, and that was it. But uh, yeah. In India, there have been few, like, you know, pro, I think, you know, a few players, like, you know, uh, who have got the pro card in, in India, like, you know, a lot of oh, guys yeah. have been coming up from India. Okay. But I think in India, you have a lot of, of men's physique uh, pros, so you don't have any open guy, any classic guys, just men's physique pros in India? Um, in India, like, you know, there have been few big guys as well. You see, like, you know, India has got a big community when it comes to the bodybuilding scene because they do host few uh, major competitions where they're giving out pro cards. But, you know, mm -hmm. that's the thing why we lack in Bangladesh because we are not having any major international shows where, where we are giving out pro cards. The moment we yeah. start doing that, definitely um, at that point, we'll be seeing a lot of guys from Bangladesh actually getting pro cards because it matters. Like, you know, if, if, it's, if it's a local competition and if you're having pro card, I don't know how the judging system works, but you tend to get favors at times, you know, in those competitions. No, it's true. Like even just the fact that like having the, having the competitions held in your country makes a difference. Cause I know being in Canada, there's not that many pro qualifying competitions. So there's usually, you know, mind you, this past year and a half has been a little different, but there'd usually be about two, two or three pro qualifiers in Canada a year. Versus in like, you know, like in the United States, there would be at least four or five different ones and they have multiple, 
you know, pro cards given out at each show. So it's like, there's a lot more opportunity there for people to get pro cards. So in a sense, you could see it as like, oh, it's easier for them to, you know, get pro cards in that country because there's more opportunities for it versus like in your country, like you're saying, like there's no actual pro qualifier locally enough that people can go for. And obviously, you know, traveling internationally uh, it can sometimes be difficult just to compete and you go to a different country and sometimes you get overlooked because um, I know what that's like, you know, there always is a little bit of politics involved. And if you're someone who's not known well, then you can easily get overlooked in lineups because I've, I've had that happen. I know Jay's had that happen. Like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's not an uncommon thing. And I know like people, some people will look at that and say, oh, you're just bitter because you didn't get a good placing. But really it's, it is a thing like people, when they're judging shows, they're going to lean towards people they recognize and not always just based on the physique. So, you know, I can totally understand that from what you're saying um, and how that kind of does, it does suck that there isn't a show there. And I think if they did put a show there for a pro qualifier, it would make a huge difference for even the interest from uh, people that live there to want to, you know, get more into bodybuilding and competing as well, because when it's more local like that, it makes you more interested in it. Yes, because you see, there are uh, like you know a lot of uh, bodybuilders in Bangladesh. Uh, they would never make it to international competition because of the financial side. Uh, you see, like if the competition were locally held, it's going to be so much easier for them because there is no travel cost, and at the end of the day, bodybuilding itself is very expensive. Like you know the food and like you know what you call that other things that you need for you know prepping and everything is quite expensive. So for a guy like who has got all the blessing when it comes to their genetics but if they don't have that financial thing going on it's very difficult for them like you know to go and compete abroad because it's quite expensive to be honest at the end of the day traveling to a different country and competing altogether yeah that's actually another factor i didn't even think about is like the fact that like just doing the lifestyle uh to travel outside of a country is expensive and it's true because like um, especially like, I guess, like in, in your country, like it's even more so apparent for certain people where it's like just doing the basics and, you know, following a regime that a bodybuilder needs to do is expensive enough. And then, you know, you factor in the traveling, it's like, that's when you'd, you'd want to have sponsors and things like that to help out. But yeah, in that scenario, it's like, you just don't have those opportunities, which is, you know, it's unfortunate that like, you know, we can't have those more of those opportunities in other countries like that, you know, like, it's almost like these days, if you're not a, a social media superstar, like a lot of companies don't even look at you, you know? So it's, uh, it's a tough starting point for a lot of young bodybuilders. In, in Bangladesh, like, uh, for example, I can't even complain because why we don't have much sponsor because we, are, we don't even have a local supplement company, right? You see like the people who are going to endorse these athletes uh, needs to be someone like you know, representing a brand that's kind of connected with the, you know, the sports. So that's, that's one reason, like, you know, we're not, uh, the players over here, the local players are not getting a lot of sponsors. And so that's the reason, you know, I myself didn't uh, compete for so many years cause like, you know, I was trying to work on my own business cause I knew at the end of the day, um, it's me who needs to back myself up to go and, uh, you know, uh, pursue what I love doing, right? So, so that is something the other players need to look up to as well. So. Um, some of the other players in Bangladesh are trying to uh, do the same. They're trying to open their own. Uh, they're trying to be an entrepreneur now so that they can pursue their profession. Because in Bangladesh, even being a personal trainer or uh, something like that, you not earn a lot of money where you can actually 
you know, pursue your career as a bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, would you ever see yourself trying to create a supplement line that would be something that would mm. be popular for like people in Bangladesh and that, because maybe that would be something more appealing to the local like crowd, because then it's like a, it's a home brand, you know what I mean? Like it's a home country brand and like people would be more up to get involved and then, you know, potentially create sponsorships from that and things like that. Like, would that be something you would ever see yourself doing? Well, uh, it has been in my pipeline. I did work with, uh, I did talk with a few of the companies abroad. Uh, those who actually manufactures protein for other big companies. For example, you know, all the big companies, like, you know, outsource their protein from some other companies, like the big ones, right? So I did talk with them and it was in the pipeline. Probably I have got plans to open some good quality products in Bangladesh because you see like a lot of good supplements for example, um, even some of um, PCAAs, then uh, creatine, and those things are actually going from Asia to like, you know, you know what do you call them in states, and they're actually making those creatine and they're actually uh, producing them over there. So if I can actually get them directly from those countries, it's kind of close by. So, you know, they're, they're, we do have some high quality ingredients available around locally around Asian countries. So like, but, Definitely, uh, it needs to be manufactured in some other country and we can label them in Bangladesh initially or else the quality and everything is not going to be the same. Yeah, that's true. Because you can't just, you wouldn't be able to manufacture it in your own country, but you could just have it distrib distributed in your own country, which would make sense. Yes. Would it be, initially. I guess it would, initially. yeah, I guess it's just cheaper. Would it be cheaper and more cost efficient to have it manufactured in Asia? True that. It's going yeah. to be much, much cheaper, much cheaper. Okay. That makes sense. I think that'd be a cool idea. You could have a, a supplement line that goes along with your fitness studios and like it'd be, I think that'd be a really cool idea later down the road. Yes. Like if the homework is done well, if the ingredients are like, you know, put in properly, then it can be good. A lot of good products can be made because it's not that complicated coming up with a good brand of supplements. It's just uh, like, you know, the main ingredients is to be really high quality. Like if you can source that, then, you know, it can be like as good as like, you know, any other brand abroad. That makes sense. What do you think, Jay? I wanted to ask if uh, when, you, when you are in Bangladesh, do you have some supplement stores uh, in the streets or do you sell supplements in the gym too? Which supplements do, do the people there use the most? Okay, or that's a very interesting. Everybody uh, interesting ordering in that, from online. Well, there's an interesting uh, story behind this. Like you know, back in days when I started, uh, this uh, whole supplement thing was like a dream for me or dream for us because you know um, our aunts or maybe relatives living in some other country was to literally beg them, "Can you please bring the jar for us?" You know, I'm talking about back in 2005, 2006 because it was such a huge thing it was really difficult for anyone to carry in their luggage. So we used to, you know, tell them like, you know, would you please bring it for us? You know, I'm talking about back in 2005, 2006, but um, from 2010 onwards, um, somehow like we are actually able to get a hold of all the supplements, but uh, we don't have a proper authorized dealer in Bangladesh. Maybe there, is, there are one or two maybe GNCs out there, but you know, we wouldn't be getting all the products from GNC at the end of the day. 
But nowadays, uh, we usually get them in most of the gyms. Even I have a store in my uh, in my studio. I, I do have a store there, like you know, where I do keep supplements, and there's some online stores as well where we do get uh, you know most of the supplements out there. And there are a few stores as well now in few malls. So it's coming up. It's nowadays it's much easier to get any sort of supplements from the store. And do you it have wasn't supplements? Like it before. Right. Okay, okay. And do you have supplements which are not allowed in your country? So like we are in Germany, we are not allowed to have something like uh, Tutka. And are What's there Tutka? I, I don't know, Joe is pronouncing it different. How do you pronounce it, Tutka? Uh, tutka, Tutka, like it's uh, like for the liver, liver. It's like a liver care supplement. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. This one is this one is not allowed here in Germany, so you can't <laughs> buy it legally. Are there supplements which are not allowed in your country? Something maybe it's something where we don't expect. Well, most of the supplements are actually. Uh, you can actually have it's not illegal in Bangladesh it's quite legal and you can actually buy them from stores like and if it's like you know pharmaceutical grade things you can actually go in the like you know pharmacies and you can buy you, you can actually even buy uh testosterone like you know you can go in the pharmacy and you can just buy it like you know without a really? prescription yes you several it's locally made as well uh, stuff like um what do you call that sustenance and those things are being available here you know? in in the pharmacy yeah wow so it's almost like uh it's like mexico where you can just go to the pharmacy and buy yeah. uh buy like some uh testosterone and such because i know they have in mexico i know they have that option too where you can go to the pharmacy and they have certain things available like that uh which is crazy yeah, certain cause, things are available yes yeah because i know over here like in canada like we're just talking about the supplements like the only supplement i know of that's for sure not well it's supposed to be banned in canada is yohimbi um but then we are but then ephedrine's okay but you know it's, <laughs> Crazy. it's weird you know what i mean like it's like you can have one one type of fat burning supplement but not another one it's yeah it's weird but uh, the only other one that they're like talking about getting rid of in canada was uh the the uh knack the knack supplement so like i don't okay. know why i don't know why it is i feel like it's to do with uh something stupid to be honest i don't want to say too much on the, the that wording of you know we all know what's going on the past year and a half but i feel like it has to do with that because uh if i say too, i feel like if i say certain words it'll the the video gets less views so i don't want that uh, i think we discussed <laughs> in, the, in the last episode why those things are not allowed so they what try that? to keep us we we discussed in our oh, last episode yeah, we did. yeah, yeah why those true. things are not allowed yeah um, but yeah, like even, uh, cause I know with Ruslan, I know like some of the food sources you have locally are a little different than other countries too, because even just from my, my experience working with him, like there's been certain foods I would try and put in his diet and he's like, this is too hard to get all the time. I can't have this. <laughs> so, well, uh, for example, like, you know, the avocados, like, you know, if I put it in my diet is going to cost me more than like, you know, probably the entire days of my protein and eggs just one avocado if I add in my diet. And the blueberries, for example, if I add blueberries in my diet, see, we don't have it locally. It's very expensive. Like, you know, probably a kilo of blueberries would cost me, you know, three days of uh, chicken and fish or maybe salmon. And salmon is quite expensive too in Bangladesh. Yes. 
uh, salmon would cost uh, what do you call that? Almost like um, fifty dollars or sixty dollars, like you know, a kilo or something like that. So it's quite expensive, like you know, certain foods. But still, we try to keep them in our diet. At least I do. But it's not really possible for like you know everyone like you know to have those things in their diet. So it's a bit different. And we do have other food sources here in here in Bangladesh as well. That's maybe probably not available in other countries, but food is quite expensive when you're trying to have certain food like in the diet. Can you name some of the typical uh, food sources you have there? Well, some we do you... have we do have a lot of uh, fishes in Bangladesh. Uh, you know, cold water fish that's available here. And the other food sources, the normal, the local ones, the vegetables, there are different sort of vegetables in Bangladesh. For example, the spinach and those things are available, but um, what do you call that? And the, the, the dairy products are you know, usually available, like you know, most of them in Bangladesh. But the fruits, um, uh, see like in Bangladesh, the foods that you really get like you know, seasonally, the mangoes and, uh, Uh, mangoes are really popular, like, you know, during the summertime, like, you know, you'd see like you know, everyone having four to five kilos of mangoes. And I have a tough time, you know, controlling my, um, what do you call that, the members in the team, the students, they would say like, you know, this is the mango season. Like, you know, I would like to, like, you know, I can't control mango. Like, and I have to have mangoes. In Bangladesh, you know, during the seasonal time, people would really stuff on a lot of fruits, like mangoes and those things. And it's a seasonal thing, yeah. But yeah, it sounds like... Uh it's still a lot of like healthy food options, you know, because like fruits and veggies and fish and things like that. So it's like, you're still having good quality food sources. And I think that just in general, like I know if you're well, dieting like very specifically, it's different, but like, it just sounds like, I feel like the population is a lot healthier because the food sources you have and what you're eating, you know, versus like you go to North America and I feel like, uh, it's uh it's different like there's a lot more fast food out here i think a lot more people well, go yeah, fast well food. the way we cook our well the way we cook our food in bangladesh is not really healthy because we'll be using a lot of oil for preparing our meals and most of the foods uh, the locally have got a lot of curry so like it has got so much oil in it so it's not really healthy because the portion size when it comes to the protein ratio versus like you know the fat content usually the fat content is quite high and the, and the, the and the serving size of the meat is quite less and the carbohydrate is massive the quantity that you know most of the normal people eat so that way even if people are not eating fast food but the the normal food that we eat in our house is not healthy at all. So basically people are, well, in general, like people, it just sounds like people are healthier out there with the options. Because, like in Canada, like I feel like people would not be tempted by mangoes as much as they would be like by going out for, you know, something like mcdonald's or something like that you know what i mean so it's like that just sounds like that's true even, that's true, you know that's what I mean? true. like it's just it's a better it's a healthier uh environment to be around uh i, that is I wonder is, in germany jay would you say people are more opt to go for going out for fast food or is it more like locally grown foods that they're they're going for depends where you live so in 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 my region we are more more in local food because we are small cities here 
and we have a lot of local uh, asparagus, fruits, vegetables, potatoes, like I mentioned in the first episode. So people are eating more of the healthy stuff. And even in the store, you have good quality of um, vegetables and also meat and you have butcher everywhere. So most of the people use them, use them as food sources and don't get too much into fast food. But before that, in, in the bigger cities, so in, I would say cities like Berlin or Munich, those really big cities, it's more common and more usual to eat in fast food restaurants than eating um, healthy foods because it's much, it's easier for them. Most of the people work the whole day and don't have time uh, in such a big city where you have to drive minimum an hour a day to get to your, to your work. They don't have the time to cook and they always use something like Subway. I don't know if you, you know Subway yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. or McDonald's or KFC just to eat something fast because they don't have the time to do groceries and cook and eat. So they go into a restaurant, into a fast food and they eat um, fast because they don't have the time. It's more rush hour here. But where I live, it's more local food, healthy food. You buy your meat from the butcher, you go and buy your potatoes, your vegetables in good quality, and you have the time to cook at home. Okay. So sounds like Canada's the worst out of the three for what they choose. For sure, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, um, see, like, it, when I mentioned mango, like, you know, it's one of the very few things that would, like, you know, that sounded healthy. But trust me, when it comes to eating the regular food, we, like, you know, in Bangladesh, people are big time foodie. Like, you know, they would eat a lot of food. And uh, yeah, you, as I say, uh, say, like, they mentioned the, like, you know, the portion size. Portion size is quite really big. Usually it's going to be three meals a day, probably, but the meals are massive, massive. Probably would, per uh, average person would eat more than 3,000 calories a day, which is like probably I'm not been eating it during my, you know, when I'm putting on size. So that's that's a usual calorie consumption of, you know, local people. Would you say that most of the people in Bangladesh go into direction of being more fit or fat? Well, it depends, like, you know, like which uh, people we are talking about, because, you know, there, there are people, those who are not even getting enough calories in, you know, the amount of work they do, the amount of hard work they're doing all day, they're getting their regular calorie requirements, because you'd be surprised to see some of the guys here uh, in Bangladesh, um, for example, the laborers, the people who are actually uh, pulling the rickshaw, you know, what rickshaw is, I don't know, like, you know, you, yeah, you know, I like, know what that is. Okay. So like, for example, if you see them, their diet probably consists of like, just uh, rice, a lot of rice and uh, uh, not a lot of like, you know, balanced food, but still they have got ripped abs and they're very, you know, what do you call that? They're very toned and they have a very athletic uh, build probably because, you know, they're burning out a lot of calories and they're doing a lot of hard work, but they're not getting their proper nutrition in. So they're quite fit, but uh, it's more like they're fit because it's like it's more to do with survival 
of the fetus, something like that. That's why the body adapted to it being on low calorie, but still they can perform. But the other, uh, you know, the elite people and, you know, those who are financially, uh, you know, what do you call that, stable, for them, uh, well, it has changed a lot. It has changed a lot from like, you know, last uh, seven or eight years, people are being more concerned uh, when it comes to their health and fitness, but yet people are more tend to uh, push towards like, you know, um, having an unhealthy lifestyle when it comes to get that because it's very difficult for them to uh, have a, a diet um, that's really clean or that's really healthy because in Bangladesh, uh, food is one of the is one of the thing that like you know seen as a recreational thing. You know people would feast on food and they would go outside and socialize over food. So that becomes a problem for most of the people when it comes to sticking to a clean uh, eating habit. But I'd still say it has definitely changed and people are usually now changing and they're trying to live a much healthier life than they did back in days. Okay. So basically another thing, like if a lot of people are under eating their calories, there's probably a lot of people, a lot of guys, especially that are into the bodybuilding lifestyle where it's like, they could be making a lot more progress and getting a lot more muscle uh, on their physiques if they had, you know, access to eating more quality nutrition. But I guess a lot for a lot of them, it's probably more of a financial thing than like, than a desire to want to do it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's it's interesting just to see the difference between countries because I know over here a lot of people I would say it's not really always necessarily a financial thing but it's more just the the desire isn't the same you know because more people probably have access to certain things and it's not as expensive but just you you see the difference with the desire from someone it's like when they don't have you know those things that as easily accessible and they're willing to do what they can with what they have. And I find that more inspiring, you know, it's like I, you know, versus seeing someone who it's like they have all the tools available and they're still lazy and they're not putting in the work, which they could, you know? So it's like, for me, I get more motivated seeing people, you know, especially from other countries where it's like, you know, maybe they're not as, you know, well off or whatever the case might be, but they're still utilizing what they have to get when really good difficult. progress. What's that? When it's difficult, those people yeah. inspire the most. Exactly. Like it makes a huge difference to see that. And I, uh, that, that's what fires me up. Like, you know, talking to guys like you and just seeing like, you know, the difference between countries, it's like, wow, like, you know, in, in Bangladesh, it's like, there's all these people who are really into fitness and bodybuilding, but like they have a lot more obstacles in their way of like accomplishing certain goals, you know, and it just, it's more inspiring to me. Uh, and, you know, makes you appreciate, you know, what you have around you even more so because you're like, wow, like, you know, I'm complaining about this when someone else, like they're, they're trying to grow and improve and do the same thing I'm doing, but they don't have the same thing. So easily accessible, you know, like avocados or berries. So, <laughs> yeah. But you see like uh, in Bangladesh, like uh, we do have a lot of helping hands. Uh, suppose like, you know, um, uh, there will be people cooking food for you and you'll be having chef in your house who's going to help out, help you out out with like wow. preparing your meals and and probably like you know you'll get a chauffeur taking you and parking your car probably so you see there's other advantages that you have in Bangladesh because I at times tell some of my um, clients and like you know the students how 
have you been? So like, you know, the gym is like, you know, quite open right now in your place or it's like closed? Uh, the gyms are t like where I am uh, in Canada, like it's different because every province, every province in Canada has different regulations right now. So some provinces have gyms fully open and the province I'm in, it doesn't have gyms fully open. So basically they, if you want to go to the gym where I live, you have to get a doctor's note set for mental health reasons. So even though I'm a professional bodybuilder, they don't let me use the gym unless I have a reason for like what the doctors know. So it's, that's, uh, that's how I've been able to train the past, uh, past few months actually, since they've been closed. Cause, uh, I've had the doctors know, which has been good because the, the gym I do go to is actually only uh, like a 10 minute drive from where I live. So it's close by and, uh, it's a really good gym. So I'm glad like I can go to train and everything, but it's, uh, it's kind of ridiculous that people have to get doctor's notes to go to the gym when it's something that is so beneficial for your mental health and you, you shouldn't need a reason to have Are to we back in. Yep. We're back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Let's finish the episode with elegance. Exactly. We'll just combine them and uh, it'll be good. You know, it's uh, you yeah. gotta love zoom, you know, I just uh, decided to, to stop at 40 minutes. I don't know why, like I have the zoom plan and everything where you're supposed to be able to talk longer, but I think maybe if you're, if it's, so many different countries i don't know if they it's different i don't know maybe i don't know they just the, the racism in zoom yeah literally. <laughs> we were just uh he was just uh, asking me about uh, what it's like in canada with the gyms and i was telling him where i am right now it's uh you have to have a doctor's note to go to the gym right so it's i have to i have a doctor's note that i've had for the past uh, couple months so i've been able to be back in the the full gym and training normally and everything and uh it's silly that that has to be a rule right now but it's uh you know it's something that we've all had to kind of adapt with for the time being but uh, there's other provinces in Canada where the gyms are fully open it just depends on the province everybody's there's different rules all across the board I don't know if it's similar in uh Bangladesh or not but uh yeah over here it's like it just depends on where you are in Canada that uh the rules are a little bit different with the gyms. Well, over here for last two weeks, like we had to shut all the things because uh, right now the situation is kind of, again, it's kind of very bad. Like, you know, right now, you know, today, like even 200 people died. Also, like uh, in Bangladesh, it's a complete lockdown that's going on at this moment. For last two weeks, uh, uh, more than like, sorry, sorry, last 10 days, you know, the gym is closed, the gym is shut down, and God knows, like, you know, when it's going to be on again. Yeah. Well, terrible situation. But uh, when they, like, for example, when they do those closures, do they, if they say it's going to be, say, two weeks, is it usually two weeks, or do they keep extending it? Well, usually they would say it's, there will be a seven days lockdown, seven days, but it's never seven days because, you know, after six days, they're going to say we are going to extend for another week but since we have got uh it coming up so we probably did open it because see there are so many people that uh does good business only during the eat time right so so like that's a reason they would open it properly but again the situation would again get back because you know the cases are coming up every day so it's kind of a very tricky situation overall you know in one way, you gotta keep it closed. In the other way, you have to let it go because of the economic situation and everything. 
So it's very tricky right now, but usually it extends. Usually it extends whenever the cases goes back. Yeah. But like, I guess, I guess in the, on the bright side, it is good that you have your own gym so you can still train yourself. Um, Cause I know a lot of people in Canada, like there's a lot of people that have home gyms now because, or just a home gym set up so they can work out when the gyms are closed, you know, cause even uh, people have like a lot of clients where they got a home gym set up and spent a good amount of money on it too, just so they could be, you know, able to train and not have to deal with interruptions with their training and their progress because, you know, the gyms are opening and closing and you can't really control what's going to happen there. So it's, uh, it's good to like, it's good to have your own setup in that sense. Cause then you don't have to worry about any issues and you can always continue to train, continue to progress. And, uh, it doesn't impact you as much, uh, long-term, you know, which is good. Yeah, so when it comes to your physics, it, it, it's fine. Like, you know, it really helps from that part. But, you know, having, um, you know, two gyms when it comes to the business, when it's actually closed, like, you know, it takes at least three, four months to get back where it was. So that's kind of that's kind of difficult being uh, if you're uh, like an entrepreneur here, like and if you're running your own business, because then you've got your headache, like, you know, because the rent is going to start ticking. It's not going to stop because even if it's it's a shutdown, even if it's a lockdown going on, you have to pay your rent and you have to pay your everything like at the end of the month or maybe even if you don't pay, you have to pay eventually. So it keeps on adding. And so, you know, probably for last one and a half year, it has been going on, right? And and especially there are so many gyms and definitely there are other industries that's been impacted really badly. But, you know, there are so many gyms like they have to shut down uh, they couldn't operate anymore because, you know, the, the losses has been like increasing and, and it's been going on and we always hope for the best, probably it will end, you know, in two months time, but it never ends. It keeps on coming back, like, you know, every three to four months. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't like to get too political with this kind of stuff, but like, you know, don't it's start, one of those things. <laughs> What's that? Don't start. We all know how it will end. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, like the situation is just ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous, but yeah, eventually, like you said, it's got to end eventually, but uh, you know, it's uh, it is what it is, you know, and uh, we've all had to deal with it with, uh, especially in the fitness world, I think the worst, but uh, you know, at least, at least we've all been able to still train. I think that's a good thing. You know, we can all still train and do our thing and, you know, pursue what we love to do, which is, you know, at the end of the day, if that's what you're living to do, then that's, that's, that's what really matters. So, um, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's change the pace a little bit. Uh, so what, uh, what show do you think you'd like to aim for this year, Ruslan? Like if there's a show coming up in the fall, I know we were talking about it. Uh, we didn't solidify it for sure show, but I'm just, why don't we just, uh, figure out what, uh, what show would you think you would aim for this year? Well, Hopefully, pro qualifier, yeah. Yeah, usually I try to go and like you know for a pro qualifier most of the time. Whenever I'm going and competing, I try to take part in the pro qualifiers. See, like uh, if I can travel, I'll definitely have got the same competition that I competed last year. It was in Philippines because you know what I've learned uh, uh, from uh, competing for so many years. It's like you need to know the people. So if you're competing in the same uh, stage you get to know the judges, you need, to, you need to, you get to know, get familiar with the same panel, like, you know, it really helps. So that's the reason probably um, I do have Philippines in my mind, again, the muscle contest, uh, uh, if, if, it's, if, if I can travel, but 
yeah, if I can travel and if I can travel all the way to states and those countries, then I've got a lot of options. Like, you know, I can take part in so many NPCs are out there, the qualifiers are out there. So, but uh, realistically, um, probably Philippines or Vietnam, probably the muscle contest, I would like to take part in those ones because it's a, it's a pretty decent, decent competition that happens. They usually give out three or four toe cards, like, you know, Yeah. Can I ask what is your what is your weight limit for classic physique? Uh, the classic physique, uh, it's it's something to do with the height and uh, uh, height and the weight. That both the thing is to match. Uh, yeah. So if I'm around five nine and a half uh, feet, so my weight shouldn't be exceeding more than eighty uh, five kilos. Okay. And how much do you weigh now? Right right now, my weight is around eighty seven. Uh, okay. I did. I did go up to ninety, ninety three. That was the heaviest that I went. Uh, that I've been. But right now it's back to eighty seven, around eighty seven kilos. Yeah. So only five pounds, up to ten pounds over your weight limit. So five right. kilos maximum. Right. Okay. Therefore, you told about uh, staying lean all the time for photo shooting for your business and so on. I understand. Yeah. And, but, but see, there are other things as well, like, you know, uh, see, like, I wouldn't mind to get really big, but you see, like, it, it, it doesn't really happen all the time. Your genetics and other things, so many other things are there, as Joe, like, you know, mentions a lot of time when I ask him, like, you know, you see, like, different people have got different sort of genetics. For me, I wouldn't mind to get super big. See, who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to be a big bodybuilder? You know, you see, yeah, like, I wouldn't right. mind, you know, leaving out all the things. I don't have to be in shape. I don't mind. But you see, like, you need to be in that form where even our off season needs to work your way, where you're just packing on meat, muscle, so many things. It needs to go your way. Just like a shredding season goes on before a competition where you actually shred in two or three time, you're in on point, you look ripped. Similarly, if our off season can work like that, where, you know, you add, you know, a lot of muscle and meat, like, you know, in a certain period of time, probably 12, weeks but it doesn't happen that way right like it takes time to add on uh, yeah, muscle sure, like, you know it would it wouldn't be so smart for you for you because you have to stay in your weight limit so you can't go overboard you have absolutely. to stay in a in a different in a, in a in a range just to put on muscle to make it harder the next time you step on stage but you can't go so high with your weight because then most of the weight has to be fat and then you have to do a longer diet and you will lose more and you can't be better than the last time so i understand why you stay in that range until it looks yeah. good then everything is okay yeah yes because like uh, i've been working with joe like initially uh the first year or first few months it was a you needed some time to understand like how my body responds but eventually you did reduce my calorie even when i was uh, doing off season right so that like, you know, I stay in that, uh, yeah. it's much easier for me now to like, you know, you know what he said, like, you know, to get in a photo, photo shoot ready or for a competition probably, it takes much less time. But initially it was really difficult because there was this one incident before my first competition, it was five weeks out. I sent my, you know, weekly updates to Joe and uh, also you know, he told me one thing that my body looks like it's 11 weeks out. But I actually have just five weeks back then. So and he increased my cardio time to probably one hour 
one hour, 20 minutes or one hour, 30 minutes, 90 minutes time, like, you know, and it was really strict regimen. And finally I made it, I made it like, you know, to my ideal uh, category, but it was really difficult the first time I was like, you know, getting ready. And I was like, okay, he, he says like, you know, I've got 11 weeks time. My body looks like I'm 11 weeks behind. And, and for, for the matter of fact, I just had five weeks and he said next two weeks, if you don't, uh, if you don't like, you know, if your body doesn't change much, you're not competing. So I was like, okay. So then I had to really change the way I cook my food. You know, it was all just salt and pepper, nothing else. And it worked. It worked. You're yeah. real bodybuilding guys, though. <laughs> just salt and pepper. And, you know, that's, and I still follow that because it really got me a really great results. Yeah, I remember that. Like it was, uh, it's sometimes people can't handle the the harsh truth when you're, you tell them those things. Like, when they're, you know, X amount of weeks out and you tell them they look like they're behind. But like, I always try and be very brutally honest with my clients about stuff like that. Because you have I don't, to. I don't, you, have you know, to. I don't want them to go on stage and they're w way out of shape and everything. And it's like, you know, because then they'll come back to me after and be like, oh, you let me go on stage looking like this and you could have said something. And it's like, you know, I might not. It's for some people like Ruslan. I know he takes it the right way. And it's like he sees it as like, OK, I'm going to start working harder and do what I have to do to get in shape for this show because I want to do it versus, you know, some other people might take offense to it and think that I'm being mean or, you know, whatever the case might be, but it's like, I want to see them succeed. I want to see them look the best they can. So yeah, of course I'm going to this push is them. Really, you have to be honest. You have yeah. to take your critics. Yeah. And you got to be willing to push those extremes at the end. If you have to, if you got to do no carbs, if you got to do more, a little more cardio, whatever it is, like yes, eat plain food, whatever, like you just got to do it, suck it up and make it happen. I know you know what that's like, Jay, like with your prep that you have this year. So, um, you know, we, we all we all go through those uh, those weeks where we really got to push those extremes and, you know, just make it happen. And, you know, Ruslan did it and it ended up being a good result. And, uh, you know, like you said before, with both the genetics and everything, it's like it's true. Like some people are have better genetics for adding more substantial amounts of, uh, of muscle tissue and such. So for him, it just makes more sense to stay within that classic physique category and just continue yeah. to improve his shape and adding a little bit more lean tissue but nothing extreme to the point where it's like he's gonna have to really really push himself to make the weight you know because it's just easier if he's within that range of yeah like 10 pounds and then just dieting down and doing the shows and he can stay healthier too to be honest exactly yeah but yeah, now and then like now i would ask joe like you know uh, what's his arm size like you know uh, how how big can my arms get like you know i would ask him like you know those silly questions at times like you know would i ever get a 21 inch arms you know like it's always in your head because you know growing up you would follow arnold's project like you know how he like you know his physique and everything so like, yeah. you would always want arms 21 inch big arms and those things i would ask him what's your arm size like and you would say and what did you say uh, my arm he said, like you know, it was something around 21.5 or something, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, my, that's like 21 and a half, I think, yeah. 21, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I measure so, yeah. it without a pump, you know, like, if I had a pump in the gym and everything, then it might be a little bit bigger, but, uh, yeah, like, just a normal normal point in the day without a pump, it'd be about 21 and a half, I think. If I would ask Patrick something like this, I think he would block me. He'd probably <laughs> he would yeah. block me right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so at no, times I, I would ask a lot of silly questions because uh, uh, for me, like uh, uh, one thing that works, like see, like okay, I, over here I do train a lot of people. See, over the time I've trained more than five thousand students, more than that. 
over the years. But for me, what I what the belief system needs to work. For example, if Joe is telling me this is what you have to do, I wouldn't think twice and I'll just do it and I'll make it work. So that's how it works. So like it, so at times I would ask some silly questions, but and he would reply. And at times he would tell me like you know don't. Uh, for, don't look at Instagram and so many other people. You, you shouldn't be looking at what other people are doing. You just stick yeah, to your right. own thing. And it actually works because like in Adam, another day, even some of the pictures that I post, like uh, if someone is following me, they would think, okay, maybe I'm looking like that throughout the year, but I don't look like that. Because you see like it's a photo shoot time. I'm looking jacked probably. I'm just looking like that probably for a few days and something like that. It matters because if other people are actually having that setup, like, you know, why I don't look like them throughout the year, then, you know, it definitely uh, is going to mislead me and it's going to take me to something and, you know, I'm going to be demotivated. So that is like, you know, at times those silly questions and the answer forms will really help me out. Like, you know, yeah, but we are athletes. We are athletes. And I think Joe knows the best that athletes have to ask sometimes silly, silly questions because if not, we wouldn't hire a coach. That's the yeah. truth. It's true. Like silly questions. Like I, 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 I wouldn't call them silly questions. It's just like you, everyone always thinks like, Oh, this sounds like a stupid question, but they ask it. And I'm like, Hey, ask the question. I'd rather you ask it than you assume something else and then try something stupid, you know, than just ask away. Like I'm, I'm an open book, man. I get questions all the time and I'm totally yeah. open to answering them. Um, I tell yeah, my like clients really sometimes is... there is no silly question. Some of the yeah. questions are unnecessary. And if they reveal that they are unnecessary, then it's like that. But there is no silly question, I think. Yeah. But like he was saying that about the, like with social media, I do that with a lot of my clients too. Because I think a lot of people now, they look at social media and like he's saying, it's like, you know, we do photo shoots or compete certain times of the year. And it's like, you get all these photos from that time. And some people will use those photos throughout the whole year. So you always think they're in this amazing shape and condition all year. And it kind of skews your perception. And you're like, oh, man, this guy's always looking like this. Why don't I look like that all the time? And that's why yeah. I'm just telling clients like. But you actually do. But you actually do look like, you know, throughout the year, you know, good condition. So yeah, that would ask a lot of regular questions. Like, how do you stay like, you know, more or less like, you know, you, you're always jacked, you're always whipped. More or less, like, you know, definitely not like the contest, but, you know, you, you're always in a good physique where you can take pictures and you look jacked and you look big as well. Yeah, I think for myself, like, I think one of the biggest things is because of the amount of muscle I carry, that it's very hard for me to gain a lot of body fat. So I think that's part of the reason why that, it, like, I look leaner year round, because I just, it's hard for me to put on a substantial amount of body fat, because the amount of food I would have to eat to do that is, like, crazy like i'd have to be eating probably eight to ten thousand calories a day just to get to that point you know and like for me in the that office would be season, nice. that's, that's a lot of food <laughs> but like, so, me, so, uh, again what's your what's the calories that you take per day oh uh well usually i'd say right now because i'm i'm dieting now so probably probably f like maybe just under five thousand like around five thousand when i was in the off season i was eating over six thousand um over 6,000 a day but like I would say yeah like the most I've ever gotten to in the off season I think uh I was eating at one point uh close to 8,000 calories so oh, nice that was the most that's I've a ever lot eaten. Of, that's a lot of clean food yeah it's a lot of food yeah and like and I don't recommend it unless you absolutely need to do that because it's a lot of food and uh you definitely get to the point where you're just force feeding yourself when you get to that point uh 
So for me, yeah, I always, I eat a probably, uh, I would say in the off season, six to 7,000 calories, but, uh, as long as I'm eating, you know, good, good food sources and not eating any junk food, then my body composition definitely stays, uh, pretty good. You know, even when I'm up to like, uh, 290 pounds or so, like it's still pretty good. So for me, like right now, you know, being around, uh, uh, just under 280 pounds, like I'm pretty, pretty lean for my body weight, you know, and, uh, I definitely attribute it to, I guess part of it is genetics, but I think part of it is just can, when you carry enough lean tissue and enough muscle mass, like you're just burning more calories at rest. So like for me, you know, it's not, it's not as hard for me to start to diet and start to lose body fat because all I have to do is change a few variables in my diet or just, you know, do a little bit of cardio and then things start to get going. And then it's usually that last little bit before the show, that's a little more challenging because, uh, you know, it is for everybody, but yeah, for me, I find it's pretty, it's uh, pretty easy to stay in uh, decent condition during the year. I'm just, I guess I'm lucky in that sense. Because, but it's all, uh, oh, well, it's, I'll add one not, more thing. It's not easy eating so much calories. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's definitely not, but I'll add one more thing there. I think another reason what helps is like the way we, the way I train is very intense. Um, so I think the training intensity is something else that helps keep me lean. Cause I expend a lot of calories uh, in the gym. So I think the, the training is definitely a factor in keeping myself in better shape too, because the way I train is pretty, I'd say it's pretty hard, like the way I go in the gym. So it's not a, not an easy training session by any means. And I think that attributes to the body composition too. So when you train, like, uh, when you said about the intensity, right? So is it something like, uh, is there, is the amount of rest time that you take that's less, or is it the amount of weight that you're like, you know, adding to the bar? So What's the, what's the high intensity workout key? It's more like the maximum amount of effort you can put in during your working sets. So like, you know, basically like when I'm doing like warm up sets or before I do working sets, like I'm just gradually increasing the weight and doing a few reps. So I'll do like, you know, let's say I'm doing uh, deadlifts. I'll do three to five reps or three reps and I'll just slowly increase the weight until I get to the working set weight. And then when I get to that weight, I'm doing as much as I can you know, until I get to failure. So I think it's just that emphasis when you're in the gym. Cause like when I go in the gym, like I know some people go in the gym, they don't really have a plan. They don't know what they're doing, but for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to do these exercises today. I did this last week. I want to do this this week. You know, I'm always trying to improve. And it's like, you can kind of see that when I post on Instagram, it's like week to week, I'm trying to get better at certain movements rather than just, you know, going in the gym and doing random exercises. So I think when you're focused on improving at certain movements too, it just creates more of a drive to improve at those movements and get better and stronger. And, you know, overall just putting in more effort because you have a focused goal instead of kind of like a general goal when you go in the gym. So I think that's part of it. And then just in general, I just, uh, I usually have a training partner too. So it helps me push, you know, past any little plateaus that I might not be able to on my own. Um, and then, yeah, like, I think just, yeah, like the training intensity, it's kind of like a general term, but yeah, like it's that the effort on those working sets and having a set plan of what you're doing and trying to improve at those movements that you're doing, you know? And, uh, I think that's what really like makes the difference, you know, cause for me, like I train two or three days in a row and then I know my body needs a rest day because it's like the amount of work I'm putting in, uh, there's no way I'd be able to train every day like that. Cause I just feel broken. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> uh, 
that's a, that's in a nutshell, like how, how, how I approach the, the training, you know? Because like at times, like uh, what happens is that you always don't get, uh, like when you're training, it's not, uh, you're going to get, uh, it's not always possible to add a lot of weights all the time, right? So at that time, probably you change your uh, reps and those things, and that's how you get your training more intense. Yeah, like you can add in the variations too, right? Like the, uh, like, uh, for example, like a cluster set or a rest pause or a drop set or uh, doing more reps or, you know, changing up the tempo of the reps or supersets. Like there's so many variations you can add in there to continue to progress, especially when it is like uh, a contest prep phase, you know, you can add in more variations. And I find like for myself, uh, like when I start a contest prep and as I'm going on, I'm adding in layers to my training. So for example, when I started the, my current prep, I was doing very basic, just work sets. So like every exercise I would do as many warm-up sets as I wanted to. And then I would do two very, very hard working sets. And now that I've been into prep for a little longer, I'm starting to add in more variations. Like I'll add in a drop set on my second working set, or I'll do a back off set, or I'll do a, you know, a rest pause set and things like that. So I'm adding in those variations now. So it's like when you're giving your body, you know, breaks from doing that type of stuff where it's like, you go very basic and then you start to add in more advanced things as you're preparing for a contest, I find it enables you to continue to progress in the gym with that training without having to push as many extremes with your, your diet or your cardio in regards to like going lower on your calorie intake or doing high amounts of cardio. Because for me, and I learned this from, you know, like uh, the coach that me and me and Jay both worked with the same coach, Patrick tour. And like, he kind of emphasizes that like the, the training aspect. So that's why, for myself, I find when I'm putting in that emphasis in the gym and really training hard, you know, and adding in those variations just to exhaust myself in the gym, I find I'm able to keep the cardio very low. And yeah. as a result, my physique is, looks better. I hold more tissue. You're fuller. Um, you're able to eat a little bit more food. And I think the result is just works better for the overall body composition, you know, because a lot of people I find like they do, you know, they may not train as hard. And then they end up, you know, going lower on calories and higher on cardio, which ends up taking away from their workouts. And then their, their physique starts to look a little bit like, uh, almost like you look flatter, you look a little skinnier, you don't look quite the same pop to the muscles. So, uh, that's another reason why I put so much emphasis on the training in the gym, because I know it's, it's going to be the difference between how my physique looks and in, to ensure that I don't have to do you know, excessive amounts of cardio to get in shape if I'm putting in that much effort uh, during my workouts. No, that's Burning a more calories. Part. That's a very interesting part because, um, you know, a lot of us, like, you know, during, during our contest phase or when you want to get shredded, we actually increase our cardio, right, in order to look like that. But you're right, like, you know, we do get flat. And mm -hmm. so, like, each and every session, even during the off-season, it's very important. Like, you know, the training, each and every reps, I think, should matter, like, you know, and how you how you're going to look like you know the end product no and it's true like for me like the cardio i was doing in my off season versus now isn't much different um like honestly all i do at like right now all i've been doing for cardio is i go for a walk in the morning usually outside and i just like you know i'm walking my dog and so on so like that's my it's low intensity cardio but uh, the thing is, is just because like my training i've been continuing to progress with the training and that's what's helping to improve my body composition the most. And obviously, 
you know, I've changed my nutrition a little bit to go a little bit lower on calories, but nothing extreme. And I think, yeah, like being able to manipulate those things more in the gym and with your food is better than having to add in too much cardio, especially when you're trying to hold on to the, the muscle that you've put on in the off season and, you know, really come in the best you can for a show. And uh, what about the posing? Like, you know, do you pose like, you know, throughout the year or it's just uh, before the competition, like, you know, the last couple of months you've started with the posing? Um, I definitely don't pose every day. Like when I'm in the off season, I would say in the off season, I would pose maybe once or twice a week, but I definitely, I think it's good to pose more often than that. Uh, when I'm in prep now, like, especially now at this point, I would aim to pose every day, uh, for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then, uh, what I'm starting to do now is I, uh, I have someone I'm going to, that I work with and they're going to, they put me through posing twice a week. So I'll do that just like on a, on a Skype or a zoom call like this and just pose for 20, 30 minutes, which is a lot of work when you pose straight for that amount of time. So it's conditioning me to get the posing better, but that's something I would only do in contest prep just to help shape the muscle, get the posing better, get your posing conditioning better and make sure that like when I do go on stage, I have no issues holding the poses, no issues with anything like that. And, you know, I've, you know, crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's to make sure that uh, uh, the posing is uh, as good as it can be. But uh, in the off season, I still think it's good to practice because mainly for the factor of seeing how your physique looks, because you need to see what you're working on and trying to improve. So practicing in the off season is not as much trying to condition the posing as it is to see what your physique looks like. So I don't think the frequency needs to be as high in the off season, but you know, I would typically do it like a couple times a week just to, you know, see how things are looking. And, you know, it's nothing, nothing the same as contest prep where I put a lot more emphasis into the posing just because I want to make sure that I'm conditioning my body to be ready to go on stage and pose for, you know, as long as I have to. And you should also add some mobility work in your routine, right? Like, you know, you do some mobility work during your race days. So you do that, like, you know, during your off season as well, right? The mobility work on your off days. Yep. Yeah. So basically what I do, uh, whether I'm in off season or contest prep is like every day I'd wake up, I would do, you know, some form of low intensity cardio. And then after I do cardio, that's when I do the mobility work. So I do it for every day and, you know, just like 10 or 15 minutes of stretching and things like that after I do cardio. And I noticed a huge improvement because uh, it was my, my uh, chiropractor I go to see, she recommended me to start doing it a few years ago. And so I started doing it every day and like my mobility, especially in like my hip flexors and uh, all that kind of stuff made a huge difference. Like in general, I'm actually for my size, I'm a pretty flexible guy. Um, and it helps a lot with the training and just preventing injuries. And, you know, when I train, like, you know, a lot of people, like, for example, they get like a lower back or a tight lower back when they're training. And I've never had that issue in the past three years since I've been, you know, making mobility a daily staple. So you know, all you need is like 10, 15 minutes a day just to like go through the stretches and, you know, stretch your body, especially after cardio or working out when you're more warmed up and mobile. So it just, uh, it just helps with injury prevention and just enhances your training performance. So it's, uh, it's definitely worth doing and it doesn't take a lot of time either, especially if you do it consistently, then you don't need to do it as long, you know, it's the same as uh, any type of therapy treatment. Like I go to get massage therapy on the regular because I see a great benefit from it. And I know if I do it regularly, then it's preventative and I don't have to do, 
you know, is it's not as painful or as long, you know, if you were to sort of put it off for a while. So the mobility work, yeah, like it's something I would do pretty much every day. Guys, I have to leave you for a few minutes because I have to pee. I'm exploding, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. I'm sitting here and exploding. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can go. <laughs> it's funny. But yeah, like uh, the mobility works uh, huge. Like I know a lot of people kind of skim out on the mobility, but uh, it's something that I've, I've liked to do a lot the past, especially the past few years. I made it like a very, uh, very important thing to do every day because it's, uh, you know, when you're lifting like weights that I lift in the gym and everything, like you want to make sure that your, you know, things aren't too tight because if it's too tight, then you're going to end up causing an injury and, you know, it just makes you be able to do a proper range of motion helps with the posing too, because you can actually hit certain poses better. Um, so yeah, I've definitely put a lot more uh, emphasis into that and it just, uh, it's worth it too. Like I know a lot of people, when you first try and convince them to do it, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like it's, you know, takes too much time. It's like, well, like, you know, if you just start doing it for a few minutes and then, you know, do it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And eventually you start to see the progress from it. And it's worth, you know, taking that 10 minutes a day or whatever, just to stretch a bit, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be an hour of stretching, just like 10, 15 minutes, you know, do some basic stretches just to stretch out the main muscle groups and, you know, areas that tend to get tighter more than others, like your hip flexors and uh, pecs and lats and things like that, where you can easily stretch them. Um, and then, you know, just continue and do it on a daily basis. So it's one of those things where, yeah, you start doing it and then once it's a habit, then you're just like, it's automatic. You're like, I did cardio. Now I'm going to stretch. So. Yeah. And you would usually add like, you know, basic stretches, especially like, you know, in some of the routines that I've seen, like, suppose if I'm doing a back workout, you definitely add few stretches for the lats. If I'm doing some quads, you'd like, uh, you know, after, after, especially, you know, after you are like, you know, done with the workout, you like, you know, mention like, you know, to keep like, you know, to stretch those muscles that you have trained on that particular, after your training usually, right? Because, because like, I've, uh, I've noticed that like, you know, usually add them like, you know, in your training program. Yeah, like it is good to stretch, like right after you train a certain muscle group, it's really good to stretch that muscle because it's just going to help when you're going to, you know, refuel after the training, it's just going to help you, enable you to get more like, uh, nutrients into the, the into the muscle if that makes sense because right you want to stretch it after it's good to stretch it after because it's just going to prevent cramping and things like that too because if you just go you know do a crazy quad workout then go sit down for two hours you're going to end up cramping up like crazy so it's good to stretch it out happened first. with me like in a few times especially like in yeah the, <laughs> i'm sitting in my car i'll get up and i'll say okay I can't yeah. move it anymore. Like, exactly. So it's like if you stretch after and you know you're hydrated and then, you know, if you have to go, you know, sit down for a bit, it's not as bad. So it's always good to, you know, getting that stretching in first right after you work out and the muscle's still warm, it's still full of blood. It's going to help just like prevent those like things. Like you'll still, you could still cramp, but it's just not going to be as bad as if you do take that time to stretch. And it just, it, it's very beneficial in my opinion. So like I- I'm feeling I that every Wednesday when we do the podcast, Oh, because you're training Sitting quads? here and getting cramps in my quads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get you, get you some salt and magnesium. Just hope it helps. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, I think we could, uh, we could, we could wrap it up here. We've been going for a while. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you to Ruslan for coming on today. I know it's pretty late where you are. 
Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the podcast um, and, you know, sharing things with us. It's, uh, it's really cool to be able to get a different perspective of what things are like in different parts of the world. So uh, if you'd like, um, you can share your uh, social media and anything you'd like to share. Uh, and we can just include that in the video so people can know how to reach you sure. or where to find you. Sure, I'll do that. Now, it's, been, it's been a pleasure, like, you know, coming here. It's the first time I'm actually talking with you, like, you know, I'm seeing you actually, like, you know, normally we usually talk on Instagram and probably via mail, but yeah. it's the first time I'm actually, like, you know, get to talk to you. So, like, you know, it's been a, it's been a pleasure coming here and also, like, you know, get, getting to talk with Che, it's been a good experience as well, you know, knowing, like, you know, what's going on in Germany as well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again, man. It's uh, It's really cool to be able to do this, especially, you know, connecting people from different parts of the world. So, you know, doing these podcasts is just another way for us to be able to connect with each other and talk face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, without having me in the same room. So it's a really cool a good thing idea. to be able to do. What's that? So like, oh, yes, what, that was one, a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> now, one more thing I, I would like to ask, like, you know, you guys have planned to come and compete in uh, any countries in Asia? Um. Not at the moment, but uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to it. It's just you know, like I'd, I'd have to see what the travels like. But I would definitely like to do that. Yeah, in the near future, I would definitely like to do that. For me, just because, like uh, it's going to be nice because like you know, it's a different sort of scenario over here. Like you know, and uh, you'd, you'd be meeting new sort of like you know, definitely you're coming for a pro show. So like you know, some of the guys from like the Arab guys and those guys. So like it's going to be a good competition. Like you know. Um, playing with those new guys and you know probably I can join you there and you know so maybe that would be uh, nice copy for yeah. for a like you know pro card qualifier from yeah that'd be great we could do like be at the same venue and everything it could uh, that'd be fun uh, yeah hopefully we can line that up maybe if not this year next year for sure next year, uh, next year for sure. yeah that'd be that'd be awesome I I would like to do that because I am trying to you know do more shows in different countries and things like that because it's just a good experience for. For every reason, yeah. you know, and then uh, I like to be able to travel to compete because it's more fun to compete against guys you never get to compete against and, you know, just take the opportunities that are there, right? So, uh, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there and uh, yeah, so thanks for coming on, Ruslan, you're probably going to bed and uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm going to sign off and uh, I'll talk to you both uh, shortly. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye to the audience. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye, everyone.